0: They are our 11 Warriors. Yes, they are the 11 Warriors. The most difficult and the toughest damn dudes you're ever going to be
1: around. Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strome. And today we are going to dive into some spring position battles for Ohio State football. Because as we've mentioned you know before in a pod, there, there's going to be a lot of interesting position battles to watch for the Ohio State football team this year. So that's what we're going to spend the majority of this week's show talking about. Obviously, not a whole lot new to talk about in terms of Ohio State basketball. Another really bad week th- this past week, culminating with Ohio State scoring just 41 points, the lowest, po- lowest number of points that Ohio State has scored in 27 years against michigan state and so you know i don't i just don't think there's a whole lot more we can say than we've said the last couple weeks it's it's clear that things are broken with this team right now we'll see in the final six games of the regular season if they can turn it around at all but realistically at this point unless ohio state wins the big 10 tournament the ncaa tournament has become out of reach
0: yeah dan 11 losses in the last 12 games now six straight losses which is not only the longest losing streak of the season not only the longest losing streak under Chris Holman, it's the longest losing streak since Ohio State lost 17 in a row back in 1997-1998. And you know, Dan, we keep we keep asking like, how do they keep being favored in some of these games? Because they were favored against Northwestern, favored against Michigan State. Obviously, two losses there, this last one being the, the most lopsided loss of the year, and just a terrible, terrible offensive performance for the Buckeyes. Dan, do you think that Ohio State even wins another game here, really, the rest of the season? It's It feels like a crazy question to ask, but I think it's a real question at this
1: point, just the way that they've been playing. Because, I mean, there's been several games here in this stretch where, I mean, I've at least thought, I mean, the odds makers have thought, like, okay, this is going to be the game that they could turn it around. And it just hasn't happened. So, I mean, I look at the schedule. You've got Iowa and Purdue on the road this week. I've got those two losses. I think if I'm looking at one game on the schedule, that I'd say it's probably the most likely win for Ohio State at this point. I'd say Penn State at home next week, eight days from now. Uh, then they've got Illinois at home. That's going to be a tough one. They've got Maryland at home. That's going to be a tough one. And then you finish the year on the road against the same Michigan State team that just held you to 41 points. And so I, also, I'm going to say they win one game for the rest of the regular season, and then who knows what happens in the Big Ten tournament. But it, it's hard to be any more optimistic than that at this point because – from from what we've seen, the way this team is playing, I mean, they might I mean they might be the worst team in the Big Ten right now.
0: Yeah, they're in second to last place right now, and, and just a couple of games out of being in last place. And if it, you know they continue to lose games here, we we might see them reach that point by the end of the regular season. However, you know, fans of course are are, are definitely riding the the fire Holtman train right now from you know Twitter and, and you know comments, everything's everything like that. But we did hear Gene Smith uh, a couple of weeks ago give Chris Holtman that vote of confidence, and then Chris Holtman was asked about. You know his relationship with Gene Smith and and things like that. Just the other day, he said that him and Smith have had an understanding, you know, dating back months about you know the potential struggles that this team might have. And so all those signs point to the fact that Chris Holtman will be back next year. However, you know that that still doesn't make things a lot easier for you know fans to to stomach this terrible, disastrous stretch here as of late. Dan.
1: Yeah, I mean it does appear that Chris Holtman's going to be back, but. I also think like, you know, this is the worst case scenario, what we've seen the past couple of months. So certainly I, I think that, I mean, if I'm Gene Smith, at the very least, I certainly want to see some signs of life here from this team over the last few weeks of the season, because it, it, it's becoming easier and easier to to doubt Chris Holtman and, and to doubt that, you know, things are going in in the right direction. I, I think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt with a strong recruiting class coming in next year with a young roster this year that if the pieces come together maybe next year could finally be the year they take that next step but you know the heat is ratcheting up by the week because quite frankly I mean the, the performance hasn't been good enough i mean it's it's we 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 didn't expect this team to be great but we also didn't expect the team to be this bad. And so it's certainly, you know, it's certainly not, it's certainly not looking good right now for Ohio state basketball. And certainly if Chris Holtman survives this season, he's going to have an awful lot to prove next
0: season. I would in no way project this to happen, but if Ohio state was to go and beat Purdue, who has been the number one team in the country for most of the season, you know, at Purdue this weekend, you know, that would be a, a big, big thing for, for that program right now. But Dan, let's talk about, you know, a program where things are, are a little bit sunnier, even in the offseason here, which is of course the Ohio State football program, which is slated to start spring practices on, on March 7th, I believe, Dan. And obviously there are several key position battles that are going to shape, you know, how the 2023 season goes. It's hard to start anywhere other than the quarterback position, with CJ Stroud, of course, declaring for the NFL draft um, in January, which of course leaves Kyle McCord and Devin Brown as the two front runners to you know, replace Stroud as that next signal caller for the Buckeyes. And Dan, we've we've talked about this one a lot already, just in the in the past few weeks. But it's going to be you know a major storyline for this team over the next several months. So we might as well dive into it a little bit more here. And Dan, I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting quarterback battle here. Uh, certainly, you know, was, uh, some of the last few we've seen. We all thought C.J. Stroud was going to to win that battle against the likes of, of McCord and Jack Miller a couple of years ago. You know, I think everyone thought when Justin Fields came in as a transfer that he was always going to be the guy for Ohio State. So those battles maybe a little less contested than this one projects to be
1: what you weren't really buying that Matthew Baldwin was going to beat out Justin Fields
0: (laughs) yeah I was planning on making that joke when I first read the rundown Dan but I'll give it to you there we've talked a lot about this quarterback competition and we're going to continue to
1: talk about it a lot we probably have more new stuff to say about the rest of the position battles we're going to talk about just because we've already talked about this one some but You know, I think it's certainly worth, you know, leading off here when we're talking about spring position battles, because, you know, to me, I I think this is probably the most interesting quarterback competition we've seen at Ohio State since the the Cardale Jones JT Barrett battle back in 2015. I think this one feels the most wide open, you know, because even you think back to Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, you know, obviously we had no idea then what Joe Burrow was going to become. But I think, you know, everybody pretty much thought Dwayne Haskins was going to win that job with how well he had performed against Michigan the year before. And so this is really, to me, the first time in almost a decade, really, where there's been a quarterback competition where I've really gone into it feeling like this one can truly go either way. Like if Kyle McCord wins the job, I will not be surprised. If Devin Brown wins the job, I will not be surprised. And, you know, it's one of those decisions where, you know, I think Ohio State – has to go into it with an open mind, and it has to pick the best guy because, you know, we don't like to speculate about transfers, but it's just the reality of the quarterback position these days. You have to assume that who doesn't win that job is going to transfer. You you hope that's not the case, but you have to go into it like assuming that just because that's just the, what we've seen for the most part in college football in recent years. Yeah, I think that's certainly especially true if Devin Brown wins the job because Kyle McCord's already a junior. He's only got two more years of eligibility. And so there really wouldn't be any reason for him to stick around and be Devin Brown's backup. And so the stakes are really high here. The stakes are really high because if if Ryan Day goes ahead and names a starting quarterback at the end of spring, which he could do privately, he could do publicly. But if he goes ahead with doing that, there's a good chance that next domino falls. And so you've got to be really sure when you make that decision, which is why, you know, I think when Ryan Day says, I, I'd like to make a decision by the end of spring, that's only going to happen if he and Corey Dennis and Brian Hartline really feel like one quarterback has pulled ahead of the other. And and we'll see, you know, how that plays out over the course of the spring. But, you know, I think, you know, the Buckeyes have to pick the best quarterback, and let the chips fall where they may. After that,
0: yeah, Dan, you're saying you're talking about how close this this race is and everything like that. But you know, do you feel like this is a a real pick'em type, you know, competition here? Where would you set the set the line at here? How would you handicap this thing if you were breaking it down, let's say, from a betting perspective?
1: Yeah, it's pretty close. Like, I if I was the odds maker, I'd probably put McCord at maybe like you know minus one forty, you know, and Devin Brown at like plus. 125 or something. I don't know exactly how those numbers would look, but I, I give McCord the slight edge based on the fact that he has started a game for Ohio state. He has played and thrown passes the last two years, whereas Devin Brown hasn't. But like, if I saw those lines as a better, I'd be tempted to put some money on Devin Brown because I do think Devin Brown has a real chance in this competition. So I, I think it's close, but I I have to give McCord the slight edge just based on the fact that He's been in the system a year longer. He has some experience, but Devin Brown does not.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to overlook those factors, you know, in a system where, you know, Corey Dennis was talking about just the efficiency of, of running the offense and understanding the offense is so big. Obviously, McCord, you would think, would have an edge in some of those departments given that he's had a little bit more experience, time in the program. But again, Brown's ability to move, create plays with his feet, the fact that Ryan Day was, was you know, speaking so highly about. Players that are able to do that at the quarterback position, and how that will give the, you know a team a great chance to win in, in some of the big games, like we saw. Obviously, talking about C.J. Stroud against Georgia, and just the ability to extend plays, things like that. But Dan, you know, it's also been you know well publicized. All the weapons around these guys are, are obviously going to help whoever does win that starting. You know, certainly we would think put up some big numbers at the quarterback position, no matter who gets that starting job. But one of the main areas that you look at with this offense and you think, you know, there's, there's a lot of question marks there, of course, is the tackle position on that offensive line, which has lost, you know, both starters from this past season with Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson, both, you know, NFL draft picks there going pro. And, you know, the fact that Ohio state hasn't brought in a big time, you know, transfer prospect at tackle, we did get to talk to Ryan day about, and, you know, and Justin Fry about, you know, the state of affairs on the offensive line at, the, at those tackle positions. Certainly, it seems like Josh Fryer, who's a guy that's, you know, been been the sixth man on that line, so to speak, has, has played, has stepped in in big spots before, whether it was, you know, guard or tackle, you know, did get a start this, this past season when Dewan Jones was out for a game. He certainly seems like a, a surefire starter at tackle. Ryan Day was asked, you know, is he the, is, is he your your left tackle, given that he seems like the most, you know, sh- sure bet to be a starter out of that group, but he was like, oh, well, you know, he, he didn't confirm like, oh, this will be the left tackle for us. He said, you know, we'll, we'll try some things out there and see how that goes. But Dan, what do you think I- I- as far as that's concerned? Is he a guy that, that comes in as, you know, the, the most important tackle, the left tackle right away? Or does someone else emerge there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's the most likely starter. I mean, my guess would be they keep him at right tackle. That's where he's played most of his snaps at Ohio State. And so I I don't think they need to move him to left just because that's, you know, the premier position. I think if, you know, if if right, if a right side is, you know, where you, I mean, you figure last year when he was the sixth man, you know, he was, he was the right tackle on the second team offensive line. And so I, I feel like they've groomed him at that right tackle spot. And I think the the left tackle spot is the one that, you know, is kind of wide open right now. And I think you look at the guys who could be contenders for that spot. It seems like there's three guys on the roster who are going to have a chance to contend for that spot this spring. And those are Zed Mahalski, Tegra Shabola, George Fitzpatrick. Now, I think there's a good chance the offensive tackle depth chart remains unsettled coming out of the spring. Because from what I've heard, Ohio State – definitely wants to add another tackle in the transfer portal post-spring. They might even look to add two in the transfer portal post-spring. And so there's a good chance that this tackle competition is going to continue into preseason camp. But that makes the spring all the more important for those guys we just talked about, because this is their chance. These 15 practices in the spring, this is those guys' chance to prove Hey, I'm good enough. I'm ready to start right now. You don't need to bring in a transfer to take my job. So, you know, it's going to be a huge, huge spring for 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 those offensive tackles. Yeah, I, I think Josh Fryer, ultimately, when all the dust settles, will be a starter. My guess is at right tackle. Could be either side, but my guess is at right tackle. The You know, the, the other side, like, if I had to guess right now, like, I would probably guess that it's going to end up being a transfer ultimately. But, you know, among the guys on the roster... I, I still look at Zen Mahalski as probably the, the most likely guy to be a starter, but I'm going to have my eye on Tegra Shabola this spring, too. I, it, there's been, you know, we've heard good things about Tegra Shabola, and it seems like, you know, with him, you know, earning a spot in that 2D put the starter last year before, you know, they ultimately decided to redshirt him. It, it seems like he's got a little bit of momentum on his side. And so I, I think he's a guy to watch in that offensive tackle competition, not necessarily a favorite to win a starting job. But but he's the guy I think that you know maybe maybe has the most upside out of that group to to really really break through this spring and, and be a guy that proves I'm a starting caliber tackle at Ohio State.
0: Yeah, Dan, Maholski, standing a six foot seven, 310 pounds certainly has that, you know, prototypical size length that you're that you're looking for, you know, as a top end tackle. But but I sur- I'm on the same wavelength as you as far as Tegra Shabola, because, you know, just the, the fact that they have the confidence to to move him into that position. You know, his his recruiting acumen, his recruiting profile coming out of high school, you know, 6'6", six, six, 330 for, for Tegra Shabola. Um, certainly some some good measurables there uh, without a doubt. And yeah, I mean, one of those guys, you know, like you said, you know, a transfer could come in and and kind of wash, wash all of that out. But, you know, as far as the spring goes, we are going to see, you know, one of those guys emerge, you know, at the tackle positions. And that's one of the battles, of course, we're going to be watching most closely once spring begins here.
1: And then elsewhere on the offensive line at center is also going to be one of the big battles of the spring, because this is another one that feels kind of wide open to me. With with Luke Whippler leaving, a move that you know Ryan Day acknowledged they did not expect. There appears to be three guys who who could be in the mix for that starting center job this year. Those being Victor Cutler, the incoming transfer from Louisiana Monroe, redshirt freshman Carson Hinsman, and fourth year Jacob James. Now you know Jacob James was the second team center last year, but he's we know he's already going to be out this spring due to offseason surgery, and you have to think OSU wouldn't have brought in Victor Cutler if it felt confident that Jacob James was really ready to step in and be that starting guy. And so, you know, with James being sidelined, that's going to give Cutler and Hinsman the opportunity to compete for that job this this year. And, you know, it I think that's going to be an interesting battle because, you know, again, I think a lot of times when we talk about transfers, A lot of times people automatically assume like that guy's going to be an immediate starter, but you have to factor in with Vic Cutler that he played mostly as a tackle at Louisiana Monroe, and now he's being brought in to play center. So there's going to be a development there. I mean, I I think Justin Fry really likes what Vic Cutler has the potential to become, but I think he's going to come in still having a lot to prove to ultimately win that starting center job. And so, You know, we talk about the handicapping. I'd probably put it pretty similar to McCord and Brown there with Cutler being the slight favorite and Hinsman being the guy I'm watching there. Because the way that Ryan Day and Justin Fry were talking about Hinsman, it seems like he's got some momentum coming out of bowl practice, but he showed them something where they feel like, hey, this is a guy who has got a chance here. Now, saying that, he didn't play at all last season, so... To to have a guy who hasn't played any snaps at the collegiate level and make him your starting center, that, that seems like a risky play. And so, you know, I, I would say that, that Cutler is the favorite in that competition. You know, maybe Jacob James factors into that competition if it's unsettled going into preseason camp. But the way they talked about Hinsman makes me think he's a guy to watch here, even with his inexperience.
0: Yeah, for sure, Dan. If I was setting the odds, you know, and it's hard to say because right, we haven't seen Cutler, you know, take snaps at center and Hinsman not playing last year. But I just feel like, you know, with them bringing him in and then, you know, us hearing pretty soon after that, that, you know, we're going to keep Matt Jones at guard and things like that. I feel pretty confidently that the Cutler is going to end up getting that starting job. Now, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, if if Hinsman came in, we, we saw Luke Whipler, you know, start, at, you know, in his second year as well at Ohio State. And that worked out pretty well for the Buckeyes as well, but I do think that they see something in Victor Cutler bring him in as a transfer this year that he can potentially, you know, be that, that starting center for the Buckeyes moving forward here with the new starting quarterback, of course, under center as well. Now, Dan, let's move over to, to defense a little bit here as we look at another very interesting position battle in which, you know, there, there's going to be some some incoming freshmen that could make some noise. It's a position where, you know, we've seen transfers out of the program this off season. We've seen a you know a potentially a big time transfer come into the program over the offseason at the cornerback position. The the number two cornerback job, Dan, because we assume that Denzel Burke is is still going to be a starter, despite, you know, kind of a a not as impressive a second sophomore season as he had as a true freshman. Davison Igbenosin coming in, Dan, as a transfer. Was you know, still a young guy, still a guy that could develop, not necessarily a surefire starter. Like we've talked about, you know, the transfers coming in, they don't necessarily have to be starters. Ryan Day's talked so much about how, you know, he he doesn't want to guarantee guys starting jobs that are coming in as transfers because it rubs guys the wrong way in the locker room, things like that. Dan, Jordan Hancock still in the mix as well. I mean, he was supposed to be really that third cornerback this year. Uh, all plagued with injury throughout the season, though. And then, you know, kind of towards the back end of the season, kind of lost some steam, it felt like. But, you know, Dan, I still feel like Jordan Hancock if he's completely healthy and you know doesn't have such a disjointed season, I think he could certainly make a lot of noise there. We've been talking about how high we are as well on, on Jair Brown's prospects of getting some real opportunities at that position because he he had them as a true freshman with all the injuries and things like that at cornerback this past year, and of course the the noise that that Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt continue to make you know towards the end of, of their uh, you know recruiting cycle and the boosts they got in terms of their status in the recruiting class. All of those guys could could make noise, Dan, but, but you know, who are you looking at the most as maybe your favorite to win that second quarterback job?
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting competition. And again, like you said, I think, you know, there's a lot of assumption that, you know, Igbenosin is going to come in and start right away, but I'm I'm not sure on that. I mean, he, I, he did start 10 games at Ole Miss last year, was a, you know, honorable mention freshman All-American. But I think when you dig a little bit deeper on Igbenosin, you see some inconsistent play there. You know, I think he's very talented. I, I think he has a lot of upside and I think if he has a good off season and continues to develop, he certainly could be a, the starting cornerback on this team. But I don't think that's a lock. I, I think this is going to be a very real competition because of all the guys you just mentioned. I mean, I think, you know, Jordan Hancock, like you said, I think the thing you have to, it's hard to gauge of a guy like Jordan Hancock is okay. He struggled when he was out there last year, but I don't think he was ever fully healthy. You got the impression, you know, even from talking to him before of a Peach Bowl, that that hamstring had been a problem for him all year long, even when he came back. You know, kind of like with Jackson Swift and Jigbo, where you know he was able to come back and play a little bit, but he was never quite that full version of himself. And, you know, we saw last spring, he had a lot of buzz last spring. He had a really good spring game. He seemed like he was really trending toward you know, having a breakout year and then the injury happened. And so I think he's definitely still a guy to watch in that starting competition. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I said, if I had to pick right now, who's going to be the second starting cornerback? I said Jair Brown. And so, you know, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. I like what I saw from Jair Brown last year. I thought he performed well as a true freshman. And I think he's a guy who could make a starter jump this year. And so I'm going to say Jair Brown. Th- this is going to be, my pick right there, but like if I was handicapping this one, I don't think I'm giving anybody like minus odds in this one. I I think everybody's in in the, in the plus range. And I, because I think, you know, Igbenosan's got a good shot. I think Hancock's got a good shot. I think Brown's got a good shot, but I don't think any of them are a clear favorite in this competition. And I'm not going to count out Matthews or Simpson hunt either, because we saw what Denzel Burke did a couple years ago where he came in as a true freshman and he immediately became the number one corner. And so particularly Jermaine Matthews, because he is going to be there this spring Calvin Simpson, hunt's not coming in until the summer. And so he would have a lot of ground to make up, but Jermaine Matthews being there of a spring, probably going to get plenty of reps on that cornerback depth chart with only, you know, six scholarship guys there for the spring. I don't count him out as a guy who could make a Denzel Burke like rise on the depth chart. And, you know, before we move to any other position, I I do think we should mention the fact, because I'm sure there's some people out there listening going, why are you assuming Denzel Burke is going to be a starter? Because obviously Denzel Burke didn't perform as well as people expected last year. And so, you know, could his job be open for competition this offseason? It certainly could. My opinion is I don't think Denzel Burke's year was as bad as some people think it was. I think I think his first month of the year was bad. I think the rest of the year he played pretty well. I don't think he was the reason why the secondary had lapses at the end of the season. I think that was more with, with the safeties. From my, my vantage point, I think after the first four or five games of last year, I think Denzel Burke played pretty well. So in my opinion, Denzel Burke was Ohio State's best cornerback last year, even if he wasn't as good as people thought he was going to be and I still think he's going to be number 1 Ohio State's number 1 corner this year.
0: Yeah, Dan, I'm 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 in the same boat there with you on that. And you know, if somebody might emerge and, and lock down if we're assuming of course uh, that Burke is the is the, you know, other starter there. Someone might emerge and lock down the other the snaps at the other, you know, corner position. But as of right now, it certainly feels like there's going to be opportunities for a lot of different guys to potentially get time there, but that's what you know, the spring and, and the preseason is all about and which yeah, is it wild. could be a
1: rotation. It doesn't necessarily have to be two guys playing all the snaps all the time.
0: Yes, yes. And Dan, you mentioned the safeties. That is another, you know, big position battle for Ohio State this year with a lot of moving parts as well. Lathan Ransom coming back after having, you know, an excellent year for most of the year trailing off at the end of the year. You mentioned how, you know, a lot of those big plays and defensive breakdowns came as a result of, you know, safety play and things like that. we We talked about, I think last week, Jim Knowles talking about really wanting to bear down on, on technique and things like that. This in, in year two, and maybe a lot of that will have to do with with the secondary and safeties. We we know how much, you know, Jim Knowles prioritizes safety play and his defense, the safety driven defense, all of that, all, you know, things like that with Ronnie Hickman leaving the program, Dan, as the, the free safety this past season, though, the, I think one of the first things that has to be settled there is, you know, who is actually going to be playing that's that free safety role. Of course, Lathan Ransom played the strong safety role this past year. You know, took that spot away from Josh Proctor, who came into the year as the starter there. Do we think that Lathan Ransom is going to replace Ronnie Hickman, Dan, or stay at the position that he performed? You know, very well out for for the majority of the season.
1: Yeah, I think you know that's one that you know, you could you could make a case for both ways. I mean, it's clear that Jim Knowles is very high on Lathan Ransom and and is a big believer in Lathan Ransom, and so. I think there's a good chance that he moves to that free safety spot, you know, just being that really that guy in the, in the middle of the defense. For, we're going to call it free safety and strong safety. I know they call it adjuster and bandit. I'm just going to call it free safety and strong safety because that, that just makes more sense to me. But but <laughs> that, adjust, that adjuster position that Jim Knowles calls it, you know, kind of being that, you know, leader, that anchor in the middle of the secondary. I, I think he definitely wants a guy that he he knows he can trust at that spot. And so I, I think there's a good chance that, you know, Leif and Ransom is going to be that guy. Now, this could ultimately depend on who else emerges as, you know, the second starter at those two middle safety spots. I mean, could a Jihad Carter end up being the free safety? We're going to talk about him at nickel safety, too, but it's possible they like Jihad Carter at free safety and and he ends up stepping in there and may keep Leif and Ransom. At strong safety, you know Kai Stokes showed some potential in that free safety role last year. Maybe he's a guy that emerges at that spot. You know we, Josh Proctor's played some free safety, though. I my feeling would be if Leif and Ransom and Josh Proctor are the starting safeties, that most likely Ransom would play the free safety role, and Josh Proctor would play the strong safety role. But you know you've also got some other candidates to fetch strong safety spots. Sonny Styles certainly being one of those guys. We saw him play a good amount. As a freshman last year, I certainly think he's going to be in a mix for a starting job this year. And Court Williams as well, another guy who, you know, has been plagued by injuries. But at this time last year, we thought Court Williams had a good shot of earning the starting strong safety job. So, you know, I think, you know, he's, he's been hurt and I think he's going to be out again this spring. And so, again, I think that's going to hurt his chances of earning a starting job. But he's he's another guy that, that factors in there, and so you know they've got a lot of lot of potential moving parts, but gives them a lot of different options at safety. You know, I think question number one certainly is you know deciding where Leif and Ransom plays, and then number two is deciding which one of those guys ultimately you know merges as a starter alongside him. Griffin, who who what do you think? Who, who do you think are going to end up being the starting two there?
0: yeah, I think I think ransom if I think ransom's gonna play free safety and you know I we talked about this before too. I'm just not convinced that that Josh Proctor would come back again seeing how this past season went if he didn't really believe or have some kind of conversation or something that led him to believe, that he's going to have more of a role than he had this past season. And so, you know, I I think he could definitely play the the strong safety role and potentially start there. The problem is, you know, Sonny Styles, like, how do you keep this guy off the field? Even Dan, looking at you know, some of those winter workout pictures and whatnot that Ohio State posted, Sonny Styles just looks like a freak of nature, man. I mean, he's six four, he's huge, he's jacked. You know, he he got even a bigger role this year, I think, than even the, the likes of Ryan Day expected as a guy that you know, could have been a high school senior. And so I know a lot of fans are going to be clamoring to see what he can do. You know, does he end up, you know, getting that, that's that strong safety role? You know, it remains to be seen there, but I really think that Josh Proctor is going to have a big role for this team. You know, Court Williams, I just feel like it's really hard to to project that Court Williams is going to make kind of a a miraculous rise, you know, up the, considering he's still dealing with obviously these these injury issues that were talked about last season. So he's going to have an uphill battle there for sure. But, you know, Ohio State certainly has options at safety, and that is a a beautiful thing for the Buckeyes. And Dan, you t- we talked about the the nickel position and things like that. You know, Cam Martinez is a guy, you know, potentially behind Jahad Carter coming in that, you know, despite some of the lapses we saw in some of the, the final games of the year when, when he got on the field, you know, he still continues to get praise from coaches that are talking about like, this, this guy has a ton of potential, he just hasn't been able to lock down bigger role. Do you think he could make a push to see more playing time going up against a guy like Carter?
1: I think he could make a push, but if I'm going to handicap that one, I do have Carter as the clear favorite there. I think, you know, Carter being a guy who, you know, has 28 starts under his belt, you know, was a really good player at, at Syracuse, you know, of all the transfers, he's the one who I think is the surest bet to end up in the starting lineup in one way or another. And so, We've talked about it before. I think I think Sonny Styles is going to emerge as the starting strong safety. I've got Leif and Ransom at free safety, and I've got Jahad Carter as the nickel. Cam Martinez is a guy I I think I look at is do they go with more four safety dime looks this year? And if they do that, is that maybe where we see Cam Martinez play a bigger role? Now we didn't see him do it much last year. You know, one of the times they did it was against michigan and it didn't go well so you know there's going to have to be some development there both from a scheme standpoint and a personnel standpoint if that's going to happen but he's a guy that i would look at you know maybe in you know a dime package look that could get some more snaps you know kai stokes josh proctor as well you know could all be guys you know i think with the amount of depth they have there at safety I, i think there's certainly reason for ohio state to explore ways To get more than just free safeties on the field. Because we saw last year, it was mostly just Ronnie Hickman, Lathan Ransom, Tanner McAllister. And Jim Knowles has said he likes to keep those same guys on the field for stability. And that could continue to be the case. But, you know, I do think you have enough different skill sets in that safety group that it's worth looking at different packages for getting different guys involved. Because I think what Cam Martinez brings is a little different than what Sonny Styles brings and what Josh Proctor brings and what Kai Stokes brings and Jihad Carter brings. So I think there's different ways that you know, you can match up with your opponents and potentially play different guys more or less based on a matchup, based on a week.
0: Yeah, Dan, I think it's interesting that from from some things that Knowles said during that immediate availability, kind of competing, like on, on one hand, he said, you know, they they put in what was it two thirds of of his scheme and whatnot in his first year, which which certainly makes you think that you could see some some different looks this year just with you know filling out the the rest of that that third there but he also said you know asked about you know some of the lapses at the end of the year and he was like well i don't know if if making sweeping changes in terms of what we're doing is is the answer and if it's not just you know drilling down on technique and in and sharpening things up from that perspective but it certainly seems like at some positions on defense that there are guys like a sunny styles you know like a cj hicks who we'll talk about in a minute who you know maybe and with the jack position and seeing how that worked out you know this past year that there are you know guys with versatile abilities that would You know, it would it would behoove them to to maybe try out some some things, some special packages to get some of those guys involved. But, Dan, you know, let's let's switch over to offense here for a minute and talk about, you know, the wide receiver position, which, you know, at first glance, you wouldn't think there's you know much to look at because you've got all of these starters coming back. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba leaving, but wasn't really a factor by the end of the season in that position room. However, Dan, Emeka Ibuka and Julian Fleming are both going to miss the spring, which makes things a little bit more interesting in terms of what we will be watching in Brian Hartline's position room, you know, come this spring in preseason and things like that, which could leave a lot of opportunities for a lot of these young guys that we've talked about. Where are they going to fit in? You know, are they going to have to spend another year, you know, basically getting no time? Well, Dan, this is the, this, this is the opportunity for them to really, you know, show something with, with more reps during the spring period here.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a big opportunity for the other wide receivers this year, this spring, because with, with Emeka, Buka, Julian Fleming both being out due to injury. And, and you have to imagine, you know, Marvin's only going to get so many reps this spring, you know, of him being such an established guy. I'm sure they're going to want to have him, you know, out there to work with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown and build rapport with those guys, but you also have to imagine that, you know, they, they may, they may try to give more reps to some of the other receivers who really haven't had a, a chance to to prove themselves. And so, you know, I think, you know, you, you, you I would imagine that probably the guys who are going to start out, you know, getting those first team reps along with Marvin are going to be Xavier Johnson and Jaden Ballard. You know, I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, if, I, if I'm going to pick a guy who's the likeliest to have a spot in the rotation this year outside of the starters, I'm going to go Xavier Johnson because we saw it last year, whether it was, you know, wide receiver or running back, you know, you know, that guy, when he got on the field, he made plays and they found ways to get him on the field. And so, you know, you feel like he's going to have a role one way or another, probably mostly at receiver because they're so deep at running back. You know, Jaden Ballard's a guy that I I think this is a really big spring for him. I think him going into his, you know, third year, you know, obviously he hasn't come along as quickly as his recruiting classmates Abuka and Harrison. And so I I think this is a big spring for him to to really, you know, start to make some progress, start to establish himself because he's going to have a lot of younger guys nipping on his heels. You've got, you know, four second-year receivers who You know, they also need to make a move this spring. Those being Kojo Antwi, Caleb Brown, Keon Grays, Caleb Burton. And then also three of the four true freshmen are going to be in in practice this spring. Those are Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, Bryson Rogers. I'm of the mindset that out of all those guys I just talked about, the guy who I think might end up playing the most out of any of them is Brandon Innes. But he's not going to arrive until the summer. And so there's a big opportunity, I think, with Abuka not there, with Fleming not there, with Innis not there, for all those other receivers, like this is their opportunity. They need to build themselves some momentum going into preseason camp. Griffin, who are maybe one or two guys in that group that you look at that you feel like this guy could make a move this spring?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we've heard about all these guys. We didn't get to see any of them a whole lot on the field in terms of the second year guys, at least. Keon Grays, though, a guy that's that's gotten comparisons to the likes of you know, Chris Alave, because of his kind of smooth playing style and build, you know, as a potential outside playmaking guy, I still am, am, am high on him and his potential. You know, there's a lot of names in there. Of course, Carnell Tate as well moving in will be a guy to watch. It's kind of unfortunate we won't get to watch Brandon Ennis right away in in the spring because a lot of people will have high expectations for him right off the bat. I also think though, Dan, going back to the The first two guys you mentioned there in terms of what Xavier Johnson told me during the the Peach Bowl media day about, you know, uh, potentially weighing his decision to come back, talking to the likes of Brian Hartline and Ryan Day and saying that, you know, they talked to him about fleshing out a bigger role. This will be a huge period for him to, to if they give him you know, more, more looks and, and begin to flesh out what that could be. And especially he talked about how how deep they're going to be at running back next season, but he, he did talk about, you know, maybe it could be kind of a hybrid role. Like we saw him play at times this year and with the injuries that are the, the Ohio state's still going to have it running back this spring. I think that only gives him even more opportunity to potentially try things out and experiment in terms of that type of role. But Dan, what do you think in terms of the, the younger guys, the, the incoming freshmen and the second year guys, is there a one specific guy you're looking at and you're like, this guy is the is the one I'm watching to really make a push to to potentially get more time than they had, you know, this past year.
1: Yeah, I mean, say what you will about Xavier Johnson. The guy just makes plays whenever they give him opportunities. So I I think Xavier Johnson is going to have a role in this offense this year. What that looks like, we'll see. But in terms of those younger guys, I think Carnell Tate's the guy that, that I'm going to be looking at first and foremost. I mean, we know he's a guy who was a huge priority for Ohio State in this recruiting cycle. Certainly, you know, every time I've seen him play or or you know go through a camp setting, you know, he he's a guy that I, I think has all the tools to be one of Ohio State's next great wide receivers. And so he's certainly a guy that I'm going to have my eye on this spring as a guy who I, I think could make a, at least a push to earn an immediate spot on that two deep. Don't know if I'll go as far to project that right now, just because of how deep Ohio state is at that position. But, but he's a guy certainly that if if he ends up on the two deep and even getting some snaps in the rotation as a true freshman, I'm not going to be surprised.
0: Yeah, did also just throwing just Noah Rogers because, you know, innocent Tate were are guys that have kind of, at least for, from my perspective, as a guy that's not quite as, you know, in the trenches with r- the recruiting stuff on a day to day basis as, you know, a, a, as much as a, a Garrett Codge is, for example, you know, Noah, Noah Rogers is a name that, you know, is, is a little more under the radar in terms of those two names, just because of, you know, them being big Ohio State targets for so long. I'm his size and, and, you know, versatility and playmaking ability. I'm really looking forward to see what he can do this spring. And that'll be a guy I'm watching for sure as well. Now, Dan, let's, let's move over to tight end. Where, you know, Cade Stover is going to, you know, in all likelihood lock down a lot of those, you know, starting reps there at that position with him returning this year. We talked about last week, Keenan Bailey being super high on Cade Stover and saying, you know, he's the perfect guy to to lead this position room as a a first year, you know, new position coach in Bailey there. But beyond Stover, there is going to be an interesting battle because you've got a couple guys that have been battling for more snaps for a couple of years now. At tight end, you're talking about G. Scott and Joe Royer. Of course, there's several other names beyond that, but those figure to be the two guys that you would think are really vying for that number two job. G. Scott did play the most snaps of any returning, um, you know, tight end other than Stover this past season, but he's still, you know, he's st- still not a huge role. Still not quite the, you know, he, you know, when when he made that 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 switch from wide receiver to tight end, he was talking about. You know, a, a Dennis Pitts, for example, a guy that can, you know, come over with, with with all those receiving skills and really be a dynamic threat in the passing offense from the the tight end position. We still haven't really seen that, Dan. But is this the spring where it's he starts to emerge and show more of that potential moving forward?
1: Certainly could. I certainly, I think the door is open there for. For both of those guys you just mentioned, G Scott and Joe Royer, because we know Ohio State likes to do a lot of two tight end stuff. I, I think I think that will continue even with Kevin Wilson moving on from Ohio State. And so I think you know that number two tight end is is a really important role. And I, you know, I think certainly I think the number one criteria for, for either one of those guys to really establish themselves as the number two tight end. Is going to be blocking because blocking is such an important part of that role, and I, I think that's kind of been the question with G. I mean, I think G looked pretty good as a blocker last year, but I I think that there's still maybe a level of trust with both of those guys that they haven't quite gotten to yet in terms of being guys that Ohio State trusts to be out there all the time as blockers, and so I think. That's gonna probably be the biggest criteria for both G Scott and Joe Royer is, you know, who can develop the most as a blocker this offseason. I think that's especially of a guy like Mitch Rossi leaving, who was almost exclusively a blocker. You know, I don't know if there's gonna be that true fullback in the offense this year, but I think the most important thing in replacing Mitch Rossi is that number two tight end has got to be a good blocker. You know, I think we could see more. Of the, you know, flex tight end with those guys, if those guys playing more in the slot like receivers rather than being in line tight ends or, you know, fullbacks, but blocking is still going to be at a premium of that position. And so, you know, I think that's probably the number one criteria for both those guys, but I think that's going to be an interesting competition because it, I, it felt like for most of the last off season that Joe Royer was the guy who had more momentum. Then he got a groin injury early in the season. Uh, unfortunately, you know, tragically lost his mother. And so he had to deal with so much during the season that we really never got to see him play until the Peach Bowl when Kate Stover was injured and G. Scott was injured. And then Joe Royer ended up playing a lot. And so can he build off of that and build some momentum, you know, going through this offseason? I think, you know, that's going to be a really interesting competition between those two you know like you mentioned there's a few other guys who could factor into that competition as well Sam Hart Bennett Christian true freshman Jelani Furman but I I tend to think that most likely you know the tight ends we're going to see most of the playing time this year are Cade Stover G. Scott and Joe Royer the big question being whether either of those two guys can really separate himself as the number two tight end on the depth chart
0: Dan yeah, I know we we talked last week. You you said you you asked Keenan Bailey about, you know, could who or, or will Ohio State continue to employ kind of that that Mitch Rossi role of the, the kind of hybrid fullback tight end role? It seemed so tailored to his kind of build and you know skill set, uh, but they've had success with it at the same time. I know we, we talked about, you know, maybe they they move away from kind of using that role, you know, to suit the you know, the, the skill sets of the guys that they have, but you know. If if one of those guys was to kind of play that, who do you feel like would be the most likely guy to to play that kind of Mitch Rossi role?
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe that's an opportunity for a Sam Hart or a Bennett Christian to earn some snaps because I think they're more true blocking types than G. Scott and Joe Royer are. I also think, you know, Kate Stover could play some fullback too. You know, I mean, I think he, he's a guy, you could you could move him into the backfield in certain situations and line him up as a fullback. So it's going to be interesting. Like you said, none of these guys have that true fullback build because you've got, you know, Stover and Hart and Christian who are more bigger, longer guys. And then you've got Scott and Royer and Furman who are more of that hybrid type guy. So I don't know that you really have that like true guy who truly fits that fullback role. And I think, you know, as Keenan Bailey said, when I asked him that question, they're going to fit the offense around the personnel. So I don't, I don't think they're going to force somebody into playing 200 snaps at fullback, just because they did that with Mitch Rossi. I think if somebody takes to that role and they think it can benefit the offense, they'll do it. But I, I think it's going to depend on whether somebody really shows this spring and summer that they can be an asset to Ohio state's offense in that role. Cause if not, you've got between your running backs and your receivers and your tight ends, you've got plenty of things you can do plenty of ways you can align guys that, you know, that fullback role isn't necessarily something you have to have.
0: On the other side of the line, Dan, let's spend some time talking about Larry Johnson's position group on the defensive line. Let's start with the D, the the, the defensive ends, of course, with Zach Harrison leaving, J.J.B. leaving. It, it seems to be the year where finally we see Jack Sawyer and J.T. Tui being really the, the, the two mainstays starting guys at defensive end, which, you know, a lot of fans have been clamoring for for the past couple of seasons now, but there's still some questions, Dan, about, you know, we, we talked about it last week with Larry Johnson saying, you know, I, I want, I, I want Jack Sawyer to kind of stay at one spot, not necessarily bounce around from Jack to defensive end, but it sounds like Jim Knowles, you know, still, still might want to see some more of that, you know, flexibility with Jack Sawyer. Larry Johnson also said that Caden Curry will, will be, you know, a, a two in terms of the defensive end, you know, depth chart there. So it sounds like he has, has certainly made some progress and will be a, a guy to watch and, and threaten for some serious reps this year. But of course, there's plenty of names beyond that as well. You talk about the Kenyatta Jacksons and, and Omari Abors being fresh, true freshmen this past year, not getting a ton of opportunities, but two guys that were you know, very highly touted coming out of high school. Dan, anyone else you're looking at in terms of guys that could push for for more playing time at defensive end? I think it's mainly the guys you mentioned, you know, Mitchell
1: Melton's going to be out this spring. I think he's a guy to watch at that Jack position. If he can get healthy in terms of a summer, I mean, Mitchell Melton, excuse me, Jim Knowles said that himself, that Mitchell Melton's a guy to watch at that Jack position. So, you know, I think he's a guy that if, if he, gets healthy enough to push for playing time this year, it's probably most likely to come in that Jack role. You know, the two true freshman defensive ends, Joshua Mickens and Jason Moore, they're not on campus yet. Won't arrive till this summer. So I think those guys are probably likely redshirt candidates this year, but I think, you know, Caden Curry right now, you have to think he's the number three defensive end. I think, you know, based on the way Larry Johnson has rotated in previous years, you you the door is certainly wide open for Kenyatta Jackson and Omari Ebor for at least one of those guys to earn playing time too. I think, you know, the question is, and I think this applies to both defensive end and defensive tackle, is does it make sense to maybe contract that rotation a little bit this year? Because you've got you know, you've really only got two proven guys in that defensive end rotation and JT 2 and and Jack Sawyer. And you've got three proven guys at defensive tackle and Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams. We know all of those five guys are going to play a lot beyond them. There's bigger question marks. I, I do think, you know, outside of those top five, like who's the one guy that I definitely think is going to be in the rotation and play significant snaps is here. At Kaden Curry's that guy, I think you know what we saw from him last year. He was very impressive in limited action. You know, get an, you know another year to you know go through a strength program. You know, get a little bigger. I, I think he's a guy that I, I definitely see you know playing a significant role as that number three defensive end. I, I think beyond them, it's going to have to be more earned. Both you know a defensive end with Kenyatta Jackson. I mean, I thought we saw some good things from Kenyatta Jackson in limited action last year. So you know, he, he's a guy that I'm definitely watching for in, in that defensive end rotation, along with Amari Ebor, both of them being highly touted recruits coming in. And then, you know, defensive tackle, I think the guy I'm watching for is Hero canoe He's a guy that he got some praise last year for how he performed on the scout team. You know, obviously a guy that we expected was going to need a little bit of time to develop. He's only played football for a few years after growing up in Germany, but he's, he's very talented. He, he has a, a ton of upside. And so, you know, that defensive tackle spot, you know, he's really the guy I look at, you know, behind that top three of hall, Hamilton and Williams canoes. The guy that I look at as the most likely guy to earn a spot in the two deep and earn, you know, real playing time. You know, Jaden McKenzie's a guy who's been around for a while, but he's never been able to crack that rotation. And you know, Will Smith Jr. Will be there this spring as, as a true freshman, you know, Caden McDonald will also arrive this summer. But I, I feel like, you know, we talk about the defensive end or defensive tackle rotation for this year. It, it's probably going to be a majority of Hall, Hamilton and Williams, regardless of who the two starters end up being. And then canoe likely getting, you know, the fourth most snaps in that rotation.
0: Yeah, Dan, and we talked about the the rotation with the defensive line. Could this year the the depth not be as as good in years past and and we not see as much rotation? I mean, you know, remember at the beginning of last year, uh, Larry Johnson was like, "I think we've got you know twelve guys or that, that that could see time in any given game a game this year." But he was kind of defending the the rotations, you know, in his little media availability inter- interview session recently, and kind of saying, "Listen." I know when, when guys are going to be, you know, ga- I see these guys in practice every day. I know when these guys don't have the, the juice to to bring their everything on a, on a specific play. So it certainly sounds like Larry Johnson is still going to be, you know, as rotation heavy as ever. Although I certainly think, you know, they're, the, the, the rotation might be a little more top heavy this season.
1: It's funny because I think there's a lot of people who would like to see the defensive line rotation be shorter. And I think there's a lot of people who would like to see the linebacker rotation be bigger because – Last year, we basically saw no rotation at linebacker where Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers basically played all the snaps. I mean, even sometimes they're up by 30 points in the fourth quarter, and those two guys were still out there at linebacker. And so I think, you know, that's another position where there's no question about who the starters are. But I think the question this spring is can somebody else? really force their way into that rotation where we see more rotation next year. Cause we do know Eichenberg is going to be out this spring after offseason surgery. Jim Knowles indicated during his one media availability that you know they probably wouldn't give chambers a ton of reps this spring either. Try to get some more of those young guys more reps. And so you know that's a position I'm interested in. We we know Jim Knowles has said he likes to kind of have stability there but i mean the the first guy that i think we all look at at linebacker is cj hicks and go you know if this guy develops his hopes they got to find a way to get him on the field right i mean this is a guy who was a top 10 overall recruit in his class the number one linebacker in his class we've heard good things from the coaches about how he developed as a freshman played a lot on on special teams you just have to think after he played literally zero defensive snaps as a freshman That if he develops the way that he should be
0: able to, that Ohio State's got to find some kind of role for him. You would think so, Dan, and that's the good thing about you know some of those guys not getting a a ton of reps this spring in terms of Eichenberg and Chambers because uh, you know at a minimum we're we're going to get a better read on on, you know where the where the coaching staff sees Hicks in terms of his development. We're going to hear more about him in general. I feel like because he's going to get more opportunities. You also talk about a guy like Cody Simon. He's really the, the 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 forgotten man at linebacker. It seems like because you know he was a starter for for a, a large portion of that 2021 season obviously got kind of squeezed out of having a huge role this past year and so you, that that leaves you wondering where he where he goes you know this this upcoming year and specifically this spring perhaps a chance for him to solidify himself as having a bigger role as well
1: yeah i mean i i think you know that that sam jack position is really you know where you look at there should be the most opportunity for a guy to play more snaps. And, you know, we certainly, we saw last year, it was mostly Cody Simon in, in that Sam role. But I, you know, I, I am intrigued to see, could, you know, could CJ Hicks get some snaps in, in that Jack role? Could a, a Gabe Powers make a push for some, some snaps or a Reed Carrico make a push for some snaps? You know, you don't, you don't imagine if they're going to take Eichenberger Chambers off a of field too much. But like I have talked about before, I do feel like there could be some situations where, you know, hey, you know, a CJ Hicks is probably more athletic than those guys, you know, and a third down, should should CJ Hicks come in? Could, because maybe he gives you something a little bit more in coverage. I, I think those are things that Jim Knowles at least needs to be open to. You know, I I, I mean, I, I still expect that Eichenberg and Chambers are going to play the majority of the snaps at linebacker this year. But, but I, I do think that, you know, Knowles should at least be open to. Seeing how other guys can factor in and, and trying to find ways that those guys can make an impact and make the defense better.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what we were talking about before. With just it seems like there's a couple guys on this team, whether it's a CJ Hicks or a Sunny Styles, and you know we even threw the through the you know possibility out there. Could we see Styles play some of that Jack position? He's six four. I mean, he's the same height as you know a Jack Sawyer and things like that. So there's there's guys that fans want to see on the field. It seems like if you're in you know, the Ohio state coaches that you would want to get these guys on the field, you know, do they get those opportunities though? And and do we see that experimented with this spring? That'll be something to watch for sure. Now, Dan, let's, let's go to, let's wrap it up here with with these spring position battles with really a, a more interesting position battle than one would expect at the kicker the battle. Position.
1: We've all been waiting for.
0: Yeah, we saved the best for last year, Dan, with with the kickers because there's quite a few names in this this kicker room, Parker Fleming's kicker room here. Obviously, Noah Ruggles leaving the program. The lasting, you know, memory of him being, of course, the 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 kick that that you know didn't go through the uprights there in the Peach Bowl. That that'll leave a new starting kicker to to be named for Ohio State this year. And there's a lot of names competing for that battle.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a odd kicker room right now for Ohio State where they've got. You know, two scholarship kickers, Parker Lewis and Jake Seibert, neither of whom has really played much at all for Ohio State. Lewis hasn't played at all. Seibert played a little bit in 2020 during the COVID year, and he hasn't played since. Then you've got Jaden Fielding, a walk-on, who actually did play last year, was the kickoff specialist all year long. And then they also brought in some additional depth with the transfer of Casey Magyar as a walk-on from Kent State. And so this could be a free or even four-way Kicking battle this spring, which isn't something you really see all that often, but it does appear to be the case at, at Ohio State. And, you know, I think it's an interesting competition because you've got two kickers on scholarship, which isn't something Ohio State usually has. And yet, I don't even think it's a lock that either of them wins the kicking job. Like, I think you're seeing what we saw from Jaden Fielding on kickoffs last year makes me think that he's got a real shot in that kicker competition and so you know it's going to be fascinating to see i mean for one does fielding lock down that kickoff job because you know parker lewis when he was brought in the 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 expectation was he was going to take over that kickoff job and then he ended up not being cleared in time for the start of the season and ohio state ended up sticking with fielding because they liked what he did there and so do they stick with him based on what they saw last year or could parker lewis Sees that job away from him, you know, now that he's got a full off season of Ohio state and then the field goal kicking aspect of the job, you know, could, could fielding parlay that kickoff experience into winning the field goal kicking job, or, you know, does, does Lewis start out camp as a favorite there could, could cyber, I mean, we saw cyber playing some cornerback last year, so it's hard to even know, you know, what his factor is going to be in this competition, but there's a lot of different ways this can go. I mean, I think I would probably handicap it with Parker Lewis being the favorite because he, you know, he was the starting kicker at USC for two years. You know, he, he has experience, you know, kicking, you know, field goals at all different lengths. And so I, I would guess that Parker Lewis is the most likely guy to be the starting kicker there. But I, I do think this is going to be a, a real competition.
0: Yeah, Dan, perhaps we should have added another name to that number two cornerback, you know, position battle there with Jake Seibert. I mean, you never know. He could be a dark horse candidate. But no, I agree. But, you know, a lot was made of the that clip you posted from that Peach Bowl practice in terms of Jaden Fielding, you know, nailing, you know, some of those long field goals. And of course, I think coming out of this past season, Ohio State would certainly like to have a kicker that could comfortably make, you know, let's say a 50-yarder or something like that. And so, you know, perhaps the big leg on fielding, you know, wins him some, you know, you know, positive, you know, whatever you want to call it they, in that battle. But I certainly think that Parker Lewis getting brought in as a, as a transfer from you, you know, they have to have a purpose for him for bringing him in as well. So I would agree with you about him being the favorite in that position battle. in lots of interesting position battles for Ohio state football.
1: And just a few weeks from now, we, we will start to see those battles unfold as Ohio state will begin spring practice on march 7 until then we'll have a few more shows before then so we'll continue you're looking ahead to spring talking about you know however things might unfold with this ohio state basketball team got you know the nfl combine coming up in a couple weeks and i'm sure as always there will be other developments that happen for us to talk about as well so hope you enjoyed the show this week thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you again soon